All right, so we are, I've been posed with some questions about healing and things like that, and um, you know, I just felt in my, my heart that I should do teaching on healing and why it works. And uh, so that's the title of my, 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 my message is uh, Why Healing Works. And uh, a few weeks ago, uh, or about a month ago or so, um, I actually had a loss um, in my family. Um, my wife was pregnant, we lost the baby, and um, you know, the scripture says, uh, you will not be barren or miscarried. And, um, you know, that's a really hard thing to swallow, especially when you've lost a baby or um, when you're going through infertility, you know, uh, problems. And so I remember talking to a friend of mine and I told him in the scripture, the scripture says that you will not be barren or miscarried. So I knew that it wasn't God's will for my baby to die. Um, whether or not I understood it, or I saw it with my eyes, or, or whatever, it didn't matter. I, I knew what the Word said, so I knew that it wasn't God's will. And anyway, when I read the scripture to him, he said, well, who was that talking to? And I could hear his heart, and what he was saying was, does that scripture apply to me? And the reason why is because it, it was talking to the Israelites. And so a lot of people, they, they read the scriptures, and they don't really know what really belongs to them. And so uh, that's the purpose of this teaching is to show us um, what really belongs to us. And um, I'm not here to say that uh, I've got perfect faith or anything like that, but faith comes by hearing. Okay? And I've seen people get healed, and I've seen miracles, and I've heard about other people's miracles and things like that. And if we're ever going to get to a point where miracles and supernatural ministry is actually flowing in our lives, we've got to know what the Word of God says. You can't believe if you don't hear is what um, Paul says. We've got to know what the Word says so we know what to cling to. And that's the purpose of this teaching um, is to help spur us on to deeper understanding about what the Word of God says. So, um, really, the first question is have we forgotten? And um, uh, Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. That's like so plain, so in your face right there. It distinguishes the two. There's no difference. There's a difference, but it, but it also puts them together. Like it, it, it's like this passage describes them as being together, you know, like in the same category, but noteworthy enough to separate the idea, to talk about both sin and sickness okay but this is the point we're not supposed to forgive the benefits of god he forgives our sins and heals our diseases okay and that whole um, passage is very full of the benefits of god yeah gotta go read them uh, if you want to know your promises go read them uh, exodus chapter 23 25 says but you shall serve the lord your god and he will bless your bread and your water and i will remove sickness from your midst so again, people are wondering, does this scripture apply to me? Exodus is definitely talking about the Israelites, people who are in covenant with God. So that's what we need to talk about right now. We need to, we need to focus on who's in covenant with God, okay? Exodus 15, 26 says, And he said, If you will give earnest heed to my voice of the Lord, to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. So again, we're seeing a distinction here. The people of God 
God is making a promise to them that he will not send anything on them. The people of God, the people who are walking in covenant with God, says that God will not send sickness on them. However, it does say that he does send sickness. And he's sending sickness to those that are not in covenant with God. It's a very... There's two truths there, you know. We don't want to just say God never sends sickness, because that would be contradictory to half the Bible. We've got to make sure we read all of our Bible. We've got to make sure we understand all of our Bible. And then when we understand all of our Bible, it helps us really see why the, what we're talking about works. Okay, why healing really works. Um, so again, you know, people are wanting to know, well, isn't that in the Old Testament? Aren't those scriptures in the Old Testament? And, you know, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the um, relativity of the Old Testament for us as believers. <clears throat> and does God send sickness? Yes. Um, you can see it in the Old Testament. He does send sickness. Um, and, you know, I've noticed the people um, who don't believe that God heals do believe that God sends sickness. You know, well, your biblical evidence for God sending sickness is in the Old Testament. And a lot of the people who say, well, God doesn't heal, um, and they say, oh, that's in the, Old, it's in the Old Testament that God does heal, well, that doesn't apply to us. So the same people that say healing doesn't apply to us because it's in the Old Testament will say, well, God does send sickness, when the truth is almost all the evidence of God sending sickness is in the Old Testament. Do we, are we like seriously just picking and choosing which verses we want to believe? So it's something to think about. I'm probably going to step on some people's toes. Just listen to the whole thing. You're going to get blessed by it, okay? Deuteronomy 28 says, If you are not careful to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear his glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions. Afflictions severe and lasting and sickness Grievous and lasting, and he will bring upon you again all the diseases of Egypt, of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Every sickness also and every affliction that is not recorded in the book of this law, the Lord will bring upon you until you are destroyed. So, not only sicknesses, but unimaginable sicknesses. So, it's very clear in this passage right here that God sends sicknesses. But the reason why he sends sickness is because they don't obey his law. In other words... God sends sickness as a form of judgment, all right? Well, some people like run with this, and they don't really get the rest of it. You know, they don't understand what Jesus did. And we're going to get to talk about that. See, Romans chapter 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, some translates to say enemies of God, Christ died for us. Very important. Very important. Check this out. Galatians 3, 10 through 18 says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all these things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Okay. So, for all who rely. What that means is that they put their trust in the law. Okay. They put their trust in the law or under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book. So we're going back to Deuteronomy chapter 28 where it says, If you're not careful to do the words of the law, then you're going to be cursed with sickness. Okay? So, 
if we're trying to trust in a law, we're going to fail. Because if we are trying to follow that law, we're trying to um, submit ourselves to the law for our salvation, we won't be saved. In fact, we'll be cursed and sickness will come upon us. Okay? This, this is what it's basically saying. Um, but verse 13, Galatians 3.13 says, But Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's me and you. It's the people who are not Jews, not Israelites. Okay, so the blessing of Abraham. Okay, Abraham's Old Testament. Okay, so he's saying the blessings of Old Testaments can belong to Gentiles through Jesus. Isn't that crazy? All right, watch this. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, For as many are the promises of God, that means all the promises of God, Old and New Testament, in Jesus, they are yes. That means if there's a promise that God's made in the past, the answer is yes for me. I can have it. Okay? Therefore, also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. So in other words, in Jesus Christ, I have access to all promises. So I will not be bearing a miscarry. That's a promise in the Old Testament. I have access to that because of Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 1.20. And according to Galatians 3.10, it says, For Christ, the reason why we have access to the promise is because Galatians 3 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse. That's why we have access to the promise. Okay, let me say it again. We have access to the promises of God, every promise of God, because Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. In other words, all the promises in the Old Testament belong to me, belong to you, in Jesus Christ. And all the curses do not belong to me, because of Christ. Both those scriptures say, I have been redeemed from the curse, and all the promises belong to me. So promises are coming, curses are going, because of Jesus. All right? We have to know this. This is very important. All right? Sickness was a form of judgment in the Old Testament. Definitely. But we are no longer bound by the law and its curse because of what Jesus did. And Jesus fulfilled the law for us. He did not come to rid us of the Old Testament. Okay? He did not come to rid us of it. He came to fulfill it. Matthew 5, 17, 18 says, Do not think, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Whew. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. So stop saying the Old Testament does not apply. The Old Testament is vital. If you don't know the Old Testament, you don't even know why Jesus came. If you haven't read your Bible in the Old Testament, then you don't know the purpose of Jesus. You cannot possibly know the purpose of Jesus without understanding what the Old Testament is saying and what what we went through in the Old Testament. You don't, you've got to know what the Old Testament says because it says right here, what, the entire law and prophets and Psalms, they all point to Jesus. And, and not only that, there are things in there that belong to us because of Jesus, okay? It's awesome. 
Do not think I came to boss the law and prophets. Okay, Luke chapter 24, 44 through 49 says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead for the, on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending forth uh, the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Look, guys, the atonement was not just for sin. According to the law... Sin wasn't the only thing that made you unclean before God. The priest was actually in charge of declaring you clean before God. And one of the things he did was he forgave sins. And then whenever you overcame a sickness, he would declare you clean as well. Okay, And both of them required a blood sacrifice. If you had leprosy, he would declare you as unclean before God. And then when the disease was finished and you were healed they would do a sacrifice to make you clean again because just because you got healed wasn't enough the sacrifice was actually important too and there's a reason for that okay um leviticus 14 talks about all the skin diseases infections you know if i got a, a bite and i get infected if i have an itch if i have a mold or mildew and, G and the scripture clearly defines all this stuff as diseases leviticus 15 says it talks about internal diseases, you know, if I'm throwing up or diarrhea, basically intestinal problems and things like that, and other stuff as well. Um, but it's just really too gruesome to really talk about. But all of those diseases require blood sacrifice <clears throat> before you were uh, declared um, sin-free and um, clean before God. When they offered the lamb, check this out, when they offered the lamb as a sacrifice, it had to be clean, without blemish, no broken bones, nothing wrong with it. Okay, I'm going to read a few scriptures about this. Deuteronomy 17.1 You shall not sacrifice the Lord your God an ox or a sheep in which is a blemish, any defect, whatever. For that is an abomination to the Lord your God. Malachi 1.8 When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favors as the Lord of hosts? A defect is a defect. Defects mean defects. Okay? Um, but watch this. Hebrews 9, 14 says, And how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Look, what I'm about to talk about can be seriously offensive to people, but I'm going to warn you right now. Do not be like John the Baptist, who was sitting in his cell about to be beheaded. And he said... Is Jesus the Christ? Jesus, John the Baptist had a revelation that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He saw the Spirit of God coming down upon him. But because of his hardship and his trials, he started to question whether or not Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, And Jesus told his disciples, he said, go tell John not to stumble over me. Okay, We cannot be stumbling over the truth. Okay? Just because we're going through a hard time. Just because we're going through a, a time that we don't understand. We can never, ever, 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 ever let our experience dictate how our theology is created. We can never, ever, ever, for the sake of our own understanding, 
and for trying to make peace with ourselves and trying to make the dots connect just because we can't live without answers, okay? We can never sacrifice the truth that will absolutely set us free for the sake of a comfortable gospel, okay? We cannot pursue a comfortable gospel just and lose salvation because of it, okay? We cannot do that. It's very important that we don't throw away our hope for the sake of comfort. Said again, do not throw away your hope for the sake of comfort. That's what Esau did. He threw away his promise for the sake of comfort. Okay? He could not see past the next meal. Okay? He was hungry, it says. And he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup because he was uncomfortable and he didn't want, he, he couldn't see past it. Guys. What you're going through right now, whatever it is, you've got to see past it. You've got to see the Lord. You've got to see the truth. You cannot let your experience create your theology and your faith. Okay? Alright. The truth will set you free. Not your comfortable theology. Here's the truth, guys. This is the part that might offend people, but I'm asking you right now. And thank you, Jesus, for open hearts and open ears right now. If we are sick... If we're blind, crippled, or sinful, then we're defective. Okay? I'm not talking about your reality, okay? I'm not talking about what God really says about you. I'm talking about our dilemma, okay? It's not God's will for you to be sick. When God looks at you, let me, let me rephrase this a little bit. When God sees you, He sees perfection. That's where He's taking you, okay? I'm a, he wants us restored. And that's why it is his He wants us restored, and that's why his fully functional and perfect spotless lamb was enough to take away every defect. Let me say that again. He wants us fully functional, and that's why his fully functional and perfect spotless lamb was enough to take away our defects. His blood atoned for your sin. And his wounds carried away your defects. We're talking about scripture on that one, okay? The reason why some people will, be, will find what I'm talking about offensive is because they have begun to identify with their defect. And literally, they're offended because I'm talking about their defect in such a way. They hold their defect so close to their heart, they don't want to let it go. And, and, and that's it's the same way with a lot of people in their sin. They hold their sin so very close to their heart. And they get offended too when I start talking about Jesus. Alright, so let's not get offended. Let's see things for what they really are. And say, what's God's will? Look, we've got to be the one who changes. We've got to be one who repents in our thinking if we ever want to move forward. Okay? Alright. Look, one, one last thing on this, okay? We've got to stop identifying with our weakness. Stop identifying with your weakness. Look, I, I, have, I have contacts in my eyes. Okay? <clears throat> and I have a hard time seeing without it, alright? And I also uh, was diagnosed with colorblindness. And you know what? All my life, I would tell people, I'm colorblind. And I've got to stop, we've got to stop identifying with those things. I'm not colorblind. I am the redeemed of the Lord. And I can see by the blood of Jesus and by His wounds. Okay? So we've got to stop identifying with these things. Okay? We've got to start identifying with the one that God is trying to make us into. 
His perfect and spotless Lamb. We're being transformed into His likeness. Okay? We are being transformed into His likeness in all manners. Okay? We're, 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 we're saved in our spirit, born again, brand new spirit all in us. Okay? We're saved and renewed in our mind, and then we're going to be resurrected one day. The, 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 the point is, God wants to save our entire being. Our entire being. Okay? Our entire being. 2 Corinthians uh, 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Look, there is no sinners in heaven. There is no blind. There are no mute. There are no deaf, crippled, or sick people in heaven either. And the Bible does not teach that we are heaven-bound near as much as it teaches about heaven being earthbound. We are to bring His kingdom to earth. We're going, we have got to get to the point where God's reality is so consuming in our mind and in our hearts that literally it overtakes the present reality. That's faith. Faith is the substance of things unseen. It's the substance of things un unseen. And the evidence of things hoped for. It's my confidence that I know I'm healed. I'm healed up here. I'm, I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places right now. Right now. Even though I'm standing right here doing this video. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I've got to see myself in those places. I've got to see myself in the kingdom of God. Okay? Because that's why Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He says the kingdom of God is very near you. It's not far away. It's coming. It lives inside me. It lives inside you. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you made him Lord of your life and you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, you're bringing the kingdom of God wherever you go. We're bringing the kingdom of God here. Okay? We've got to manifest the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And we've already established that there's no blind people, there's no sick people, there's no sinners in heaven. There's no defective people in heaven. So we are praying his will on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Another question I get is, doesn't the healing in the scriptures really refer to spiritual healing? Okay. Let me, let me explain something to you. The Bible is more real than it is poetry. Say it again. The Bible is more real than it is poetry. Okay? Uh, people say, who, who say this simply have never read their Bible front to back with an understanding of the history surrounding these scriptures. Okay? Um, when you read the Bible and it talks about Babylon, it's talking about a real, a real, a real kingdom that was alive 600 years before Jesus Christ. When it talks about armies coming against them, the enemy coming against them, it's talking about real physical armies coming against them. Okay? <clears throat> we got to get away from the poetic. We got to go and... What is it called in, in my, my Bible classes? They, so they call it exegete. You don't put your own thinking into scriptures. You let scriptures bring the thinking to you. you. You pull out of it. You don't put yourself into it. You bring out of it what's there. We can't say, we can't interpret scripture based on our feelings and based on our experiences. 
Scripture is not to be not to be interpreted by our feelings and our uh, and our experiences and even our understanding. Really, we've got to go and study Scripture based off of Scripture, study Scripture based off of history. Okay, based off of culture surrounding those scriptures and that history. We can't go in there with our own preconceived notions and think we can just twist the Bible to fit our own life. We can't do that. All right? We've got, to, we've got to pull truth out of Scripture. We can't put our own truth into Scripture. Okay? We've got to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. Case in point, Isaiah 53. First <clears throat> Peter 2, 24 actually quotes Isaiah 53. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you may you have been healed. Okay? Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. <clears throat> he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Already done. Healed. Now, many people say, Well, isn't that spiritual healing? No, it's not spiritual healing. And it can't possibly be spiritual healing. You've got to read Scripture based off of Scripture and interpret Scripture based off of Scripture. So let's go ahead and look up at Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Jesus was going through the town, and he started healing people, physically healing them, sickness, healing them. Uh, <clears throat> starting in verse 14, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. Common cold, flu, whatever. <clears throat> he touched her hand, and the, the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. Not just a one-time account. And he cast out the spirits with the word and all and healed all who were sick. Everybody. <laughs> he healed everybody who was sick. Watch this. And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Very clear right here. Matthew chapter 8 is your commentary for Isaiah 53. Does Isaiah 53 talk about healing as pertaining to spiritual healing or as pertaining to sickness healing? Well, Jesus was healing people's physical needs. And Matthew 8, chapter 8 says that that was to fulfill Isaiah 53. Meaning that Isaiah 53 can't possibly mean anything else except for physical healing in the natural. Okay? <clears throat> Use scripture to interpret scripture, guys. Let's stop that debate right now. Okay? Jesus fulfilled the law completely and broke every curse of the law. Sickness and disease is part of the curse of the law. Even death is part of uh, that curse. Think about it. For the wages of sin is death. And of course, we already read that God actually would send sickness against people um, <clears throat> to destroy them. Now, that's an encouraging thing. Isaiah 54 says. In those days, I will establish them in a covenant of peace and a righteousness they will be established. Um, in the Corinthian letters, it talks about how God um, has made us the very righteousness of God. He made him to be no sin um, so that we might... He made him to know, to know sin to become sin so that we might become the very righteousness of God. Okay, so Isaiah 54 is prophesying about this time, Jesus. Well, Isaiah 54 comes after Isaiah 53, which talks about Jesus dying for us and his wounds healing us. <clears throat> so Isaiah 54 says that in those days, if anyone fiercely assails you, it's not from me. So uh, we already read that if they would obey his commandments, 
he would not send the sickness upon them, okay? So, look, I can't keep the commandments of God. I'm not, if I live by the law, I'm cursed by the law. But by Jesus, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Also in Jesus, I've kept the entire law. Jesus is my atonement. He's made me perfect according to the law. That means I can walk in perfect covenant with God. We're talking about the covenant that God originally had intended for his people. But his people wanted the law. You know, they went to the law and they said, uh, they, they submitted themselves to the law. They had, they had the law, okay? And that law, they could not keep. It could not save them, okay? It was their covenant. If they kept it, all right, they would have covenant with God. But if they broke it, they broke covenant with God, and therefore sickness would come. But if they were in covenant, God would not send sickness on them. So guess what? Jesus is the new covenant. And I fulfilled the entire law. And you filled the entire law in Jesus Christ. It's awesome. It's the coolest thing. Therefore, guess what? God doesn't send sickness on you. He can't send sickness on you. Because you're perfect. There's no reason to send sickness on you. The only time God would send sickness on somebody is to judge sin. But guess what? I have the blood of Jesus on my life. There is no sin. I'm the very righteousness of God. Man, the truth will set you free if we realize that God's not out to get us anymore. We have nothing to fear. The New Testament says that. We have nothing to fear anymore. Because we know God's not out to get us anymore. God's out for our benefit. He's out there to bless those who love him. <clears throat> Even resurrection uh, in the last day is evidence that we will overcome those things. James 5.14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Okay, now James <clears throat> did what Psalm 103 did. Psalm 103 said, don't forget his benefits. He forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. He lumps them in the same category, but, he, but they're important enough to talk about separately. Okay, so definitely they're, they're separate, but they're kind of the same. James 5 says, <clears throat> And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Sick man means that he'll get out of bed. He'll be healed. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Wow. Wow. James is categorizing sin and sickness in the same boat. Matthew 9, 4 through 8. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk. See, we're talking about the man who was let down in the house because he was paralytic and his brothers or his friends were taking him in there to get healed. They said, Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees were like, Oh, only God can forgive sins. <clears throat> Watch this. Why do you think evil in your hearts? He basically said, whatever you're thinking right now is evil. For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man, notice, he did not say Son of God. He said Son of Man. <clears throat> but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. To men. To men. Jesus didn't do what he did because he was the Son of God. He did it because he was the Son of Man who submitted to God. I'm going to say that again. He did what he did because he was a son of man. That's why he doesn't, 
In this, in this passage, he does not refer to himself as the Son of God. <clears throat> He's saying, in this moment, right now, what you're about to see is a work of the Son of Man. He was talking about being able to do it as a man. The Son of Man. It's really awesome. And it says right here, they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Basically, he was saying the Pharisees are wrong. That it wasn't God who could do this. And, 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 and many people are going to say, man, Zach, are you saying that, that men can forgive sins? And I am saying yes, but I'm actually not really saying it for the first time. Jesus said it for the first time. Not me. See, I don't disagree with Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 21 verse, uh, through 23 says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Listen, the reason why it's so important to get a hold of this, because we are the royal priesthood. It says in the scriptures that we are the royal priesthood. We have a purpose in life, and that's to go and set the captives free, to declare clean, to forgive, and to heal. To get rid of sickness and to get rid of sin. Okay? <clears throat> the priests were given that authority to declare something clean or unclean. And that's our job. So, James chapter 5, 16-18 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it, as, as it is working. Listen, if you have the blood of Jesus on you, you are a righteous person. So your prayers are powerful and they're working. Jesus was trying to give an illustration, trying to show us <clears throat> this is how life is supposed to be. You go forgive sins and you go heal sicknesses. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying something was something just special about him because he was the son of God. He was saying there was something special about him because he was the son of man. That's why he specified in that passage, son of man. To, to show you that the son of man has authority to forgive sins, rise up. Take your bed and go home. And so he was lumping them together. He was lumping sin and sickness in the same boat. It's, it, and, and, and they both need atonement. They both need uh, to be set free. It's really awesome. Um, and it talks about Elijah. He was a, a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently. So Elijah um, saw, saw miracles. And he was a normal man. See, we can't say that because Jesus did miracles that he was God. It doesn't make sense because Elijah was not God, but he did miracles. The, the, um, the, the God nature of, of, God, of, of Jesus is not what did the miracles. It was the man nature of Jesus. And he was showing us this is how you do it. That's why it was always lab. He was always taking his disciples on a lab. He wasn't just a textbook or lecture, you know. He'd take them out there and send them out two by two. Seventy-two of them go out there and lay hands on the sick people and they recover. He'd take the twelve out and they'd go... Yeah, that's the thing. Jesus was a big, it was a big deal for him to take him out and go do it. He wasn't just going to let them see how he did it. He was trying to show them how to do it so that they could do it. And he could replicate himself. Okay? John 14, 12 through 14 says, Truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these uh, he will do. Because I go to the Father. See, Jesus wasn't done. He left. Now he left us in charge. Now it's our job to continue the work of Jesus. To go and forgive sins and heal sicknesses. And it says greater works will he do. 
because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the prayer, uh, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Mark chapter 16, 15 through 18 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison. But it will not harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. This is part of like what our ministry is supposed to look like. Okay, That's, This is what it's supposed to look like. Um, power, not just talk. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, I believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. Listen, guys. Like I said before, we have God's reality has to be so consuming in us that it overrides our own understanding of our own reality. And it invades our reality. That's how much we have to believe it, okay? When we pray, we're not praying our own will. We have to get away from that, oh, Lord, uh, whatever your will is. No, that's, that's actually, there's no faith in that prayer at all. And you won't get anything. So stop praying like that. We've got, Jesus didn't pray like that. Jesus prayed like that one time in the garden, and, and, and what, you, what people, when they, when, they, when they repeat Jesus, they, they don't understand what they're saying. <clears throat> Jesus was in the garden praying, may this cup part from me, depart from me, if there's any other way. And then he said, but not my will, your will. What he, was not, he wasn't saying, well, God, I don't really know your will. So whatever your will is, just let it happen. Jesus was not a fake person. He was a prophetic person. He knew he was going to die on the cross. He had already prophesied a few times to his disciples that the Son of Man must die and be resurrected after three days. He prophesied. He talked about it. He knew he was going to do it. He knew the will of God before he even prayed. He, just, he was just praying out of his flesh. <coughs> he was praying in his weakness. And he was trusting in God. That's what he was doing. He wasn't, he wasn't saying, well, God, I don't really know what your will is. So whatever your will is, just let it happen. He didn't say that. He was saying, when he, when he prayed that prayer, oh, God, your will be done, not mine. What he was saying was, I already know what the answer is. Yes, sir. That's what he was saying. He was submitting to God and the will that he already knew. He wasn't praying that prayer because he didn't know God's will. He prayed that prayer because he knew God's will. So um, don't ever pray that prayer unless you're submitting to God. If God calls you to go to Africa and you say, Oh God, I don't really want to go to Africa. But you know what? Never mind. You know what? Your will be done, not my will. And then you go to Africa because you submitted to what God said. Well, then that would be an appropriate way to say that prayer. Okay? But don't pray that prayer when you're praying for somebody to get healed. Or when you're praying for somebody to get um, uh, saved. Don't pray that prayer because we already know God's will. Ezekiel says that, it's, that God does not desire that any of the wicked should perish. <laughs> so stop praying that prayer when you don't know what to pray for. That's, that's ridiculous. Okay, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I don't want to get off of that. I'm sorry if I offended somebody. But 
we got to get away from that prayer. That was not the model prayer. The model prayer, Jesus said, here's the model prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. That's what the model prayer is. Alright? He did not say that prayer in the garden and say, hey, do likewise. He didn't say that. He was praying that prayer totally different than we've been understanding it for years. Okay? And, and it's about time we got free from that. Okay? When we pray, whatever comes out of your mouth when you pray, when you pray, should be the perfect will of God. You should know the Word of God so intimately. And you should be spending time with God intimately that you know already in your heart what God's will is. So when you pray, you're simply releasing. You're simply releasing what God already wants to happen. <clears throat> when you pray, you should be simply releasing what God is already wanting to happen. It's powerful. It's powerful. Powerful. So, First John five um, to, to confirm this says, verse fourteen through fifteen, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him, <clears throat> that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. We have confidence. We know we're going to get the prayers we ask for. If I know it's God's will to heal, and when I pray. I can confidently pray because I know that's the will of God. I don't have to worry about whether or not he's going to answer my prayer. That's the level we need to get at. Where we're so confident. We're so fully persuaded. We're fully persuaded into, into this whole idea. Where we know that it's God's will. Therefore, we pray what God wants. And then if we believe that and we're not double-minded, we'll get it. We'll get it. And, and it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And you know, I really feel like I should go ahead and pray for anybody who's dealing with sickness right now. And I know this is a recording, but I, I believe um, God is more powerful than what we can understand. And it's, this, is, this is part of the greater things, you know. Um, Paul actually prayed over a handkerchief one time, sent it out, and everybody touched it, got healed. Um, Peter would walk in his shadow would touch people, and they get healed. So I believe that um, a prayer over a video um, will touch somebody's life. So I'm going to pray right now. If you have sickness in your body and you need healing, then just agree um, with me in prayer. And we're going to believe that you're completely set free from whatever you're dealing with, drug addictions, whatever it is that's holding your life back. Um, maybe you have infertility, you're having trouble having kids. It's not God's will that you don't have kids. That's just the truth. Scripture says be fruitful and multiply. So we know it's God's will. It's just an enemy working against us to keep us from having children. And thank God right now my wife's pregnant. And I just thank God. You know, because I prayed. I said, you know what, Lord? I know it's not your will, so I know you're going to redeem that life. I know you're going to redeem that life. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if my wife had twins, you know, to redeem that life. And so I'm just thanking God in Jesus' name. So here's the deal. We're going to pray and, um, and disagree um, with the Word of God. So Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, whoever's listening to this right now, if they have sickness in their body, they are set free right now. Jesus' name. If they know somebody they're praying for, I pray in Jesus' name that right now as they're listening to this video, they're set free in Jesus' name. I just, we just break drug addictions. We break all kinds of um, uh, mental illness um, defects in Jesus' name. Lord, you know, build our faith. I thank you, Father, we can have gifts of faith in Jesus' name. The gifts of faith will just drop into people's spirits right now in Jesus' name. Father, we're not going to be afraid what men think. I know what you say in your word. Your word says we are set free 
Your, your word says we're healed. So we're just going to agree with you because, Father, I'm going to say God is the one who tells the truth and all men tell lies. And I believe what the word says despite my own understanding what I see with my own eyes. We just release your kingdom of God in people's lives. In Jesus' name, set the captives free. Amen. Amen. Go set somebody free, you know. Take these truths and, and dwell on them, meditate on them. Um, I'm going to put the, all the verses at the bottom of the, of the uh, description on the video so you can take a look at it. So um, go study it out, you know. Study it out. Get it inside you. Out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, the earth, Amen. Amen.